Hey Field Hang 10, watch out for a new wave of episodes for Forgotten Cinema Season 9, Forgotten Summer. Ugh, really, Butler, a theme season? Let me guess, we're going to talk about films that were released in the coveted summer months that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences. You know it, bro. What we liked about them or maybe didn't, but we'll always recommend people check them out. Maybe they'll find their own Forgotten Summer gem. So check out Forgotten Summer wherever you get your podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hold on, gotta catch this wave. We're sitting at this in the recording booth. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to another episode of Kraken One Open with Mike and Elise. And if I sound weird, it's because I have a cold. So my nose is a little stuff up. So my tasting notes might be off. Oh, God. But I could it's, really use some beer. Yeah. It's very rare that you get sick. So, yeah, like once every two or three years kind of thing. Pretty much. Yeah, it'll be gone tomorrow. <laughs> but it's here now while we're recording. So get used wah, to wah. stuffy nosed Mike. Yeah, I'm going to be editing out a lot of uh, coughs and sneezes, I'm sure. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Love you. I'm a professional. Hold that shit in. <laughs> anyway, we'll see about that. Do you know how to put an eyeball back in when I hold it in? For uh, sure? <laughs> Just hold it until the end of recording, okay? All right. <laughs> So this week, we are cracking open the brand spanking new Tubular, uh, which is a West Coast style IPA from Two Roads Brewing Company located in Stratford, Connecticut. Two Roads! So if you've listened to any of our other episodes before, there's a pretty good chance that we've mentioned Two Roads because it's where our love of craft beer was born. Uh, We've also featured Geyser Goza and 13 Months of Sun which were actually both technically collaborations with Evil Twin Brewing, but they're both very different beers and two of our like all-time favorites. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> We've also covered their version of the All Together collaboration with Other Half Brewing um, that so many other breweries also uh, participated in last year in support of the hospitality industry during the pandemic. But for those of you who maybe are just joining us, Two Roads is located in Stratford, Connecticut, inside of the old U.S. Baird building. It's a very cool old factory built in 1911, and Two Roads purchased and repurposed it in 2012. And since then, Two Roads has grown to be a top 50 independent craft beer brand in the U.S. They are currently distributed in 15 states as well as in the U.K., and I, th- I think that stat might actually be higher now. I do believe it is higher. Yeah. I think it's uh, like 30 something states. Woof. <laughs> I, think it's, it's, I think it's a big time. Yeah. So from what I can see on their website, Two Roads has Tubular listed as a limited seasonal release. So 
don't expect it to be added to their core list of available brews, or at least not right away. But hopefully we can expect it again around this time next year. And if you are interested in it now, go and grab it while you can after you finish listening to this episode. So Tubular is an 8.2% West Coast style IPA brewed with Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, Equinox, Mosaic, and Simcoe hops. Woof, that's a lot of hops. Mm-hmm. So first up, we've got Cascade, which was pioneered in the 1950s and released in the 70s. It was actually the first hop to come out of the USDA hop breeding program and has since become one of the m- most popular American hops of all time. It represents 10% of all hops grown in the United States. And from a very quick preliminary search, there are about 50 varieties of American hops currently in production. So that's a pretty decent percentage of Cascade, if that's accurate. It doesn't store well, but that's usually not an issue because it's so popular. Cascade has a distinct spicy citrus aroma with hints of grapefruit. And it's actually pretty similar to Haller Tower Mittelfra. Uh, It was the original hop used in Coors, but it turned out to be a little too strong for their light beer, so they cut back on its use. But soon after that, the owner of Anchor Steam noticed this new hop and decided that Cascade would be perfect for their Liberty Ale, which is considered the first post-prohibition IPA and first single-hopped American ale. And after that, Cascade really took off in popularity. And today there are also Argentinian, Australian, and New Zealand hop varieties of Cascade as well. Are they also all called Cascade? No. Okay. (laughs) Or at least not that I saw. Um, Usually if there's like an identical hop that's grown in another country, it has a slightly different name. Next up, we've got Centennial Hops, developed in 1974 and released in 1990, uh, are a mix of Brewer's Gold, East Kent Golding, Fuggle, and Bavarian Hops. Fuggle Hops! (laughs) Both Centennial and Amarillo Hops are considered very close to Cascade because of their citrusy character. You'll be glad to know that Centennial is less grapefruity, though. (laughs) But what makes Centennial special is its versatility with the depth of bitterness and the aroma that balances out very nicely. That's what keeps Centennial in high demand. Chinook hops were bred back in 1974 by Chuck Zimmerman while he was working for the USDA hop breeding program. It was released in 1985 and found popularity with both mainstream and craft brewers. For the most part, mainstream brewers like Coors uh, liked Chinook for its bittering qualities, but craft brewers found that the aroma uh, and flavor were something to be appreciated as well. So it's definitely a dual purpose hop variety. So Chinook can be slightly spicy with a somewhat smoky, earthy quality, and it has an impressive piney kind of resiny character with distinct notes of grapefruit. But its bitterness can turn catty when catty uh, when used in large quantities. Yeah, if you recall, that's that's one of the common off flavors of beer when it's not brewed right or Tastes it goes like bad. Cat, like cat piss. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, they they call it catty, but the insinuation is even more gross. <laughs> <laughs> So Equinox hops were developed by the hop breeding company as a joint venture that started back in 2001. And the goal was to try and coax a higher yield than warrior hops, but to keep warrior hops higher alpha acid content and gain some of the better traits from the wild father hop. 
So Warrior was the hop they crossed to, to get Equinox. So many hops that we haven't tried, like this Warrior. I Fuggle, think we've had Warrior Old before. Father. Like, come <laughs> on. Like, where are these ones? They've all been crossbred into the super, these super hops. Yep. But I want these classic hops. I want to taste the old guard. Uh, so one, <laughs> one plant was selected for breeding in 2003 when the hop was designated HBC 366. And then experimenting and observation continued until the hop's official release in 2014. And I, th- I think a lot of the reason we don't get to try all of these experimental hops is that they just, they either don't store well, they get powdery mildew, they get that weird virus um that i was talking about a couple episodes ago like they just don't actually make it into production that would be my guess it's so weird also sometimes and i haven't brought this up before but when you list like that it was in production and then hbsc5 and then they crossbred this and this it sounds like like this neo-noir like future where they're trying to create like the perfect soldier and it's like oh yeah that's, that's, that's essentially it. I know. But that's what I picture, like these white labs and like hops. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so Equinox is a distinctive aroma hop, bringing notes of lemon and lime citrus, fruits like papaya and apple, as well as green pepper and herbs like sage or even eucalyptus. Ooh. It's commonly Koalas used. must love it. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> It's commonly used in American pale ales, IPAs, saisons, sours, and pilsners. And just as a side note, Equinox is actually more commonly known as Equinot due to a trademark dispute over the name Equinox. So Equinox and Equinot are technically one and the same. Whoa. Then we have Mosaic Hops, a.k.a. Citra on steroids. They are the daughter of Simcoe, which is also used in this brew, and Nugget. Mosaic was released in 2012 and can be used for bittering, flavor, and aroma. It has high alpha acids, but low cohumulone, making them pleasantly hoppy with flavors of mango, pine, citrus, and herbs, and giving them aromas of tropical and stone fruits. And then finally, we've got Simcoe, a hop known for its diversity and complexity, accompanied by a smooth bitterness due to its high alpha acid content and very low cohumulone content. And again, just as a side note, I know I don't mention this every time, but cohumulone is a hop oil that's found in the lupulin gland, which is formed in the final stages of hop cone maturation. Boo. So Simcoe is actually a relatively new hop created in 2000, again by Chuck Zimmerman. It's also uh, usually used in conjunction with Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, and Citra hops, which is obviously true, seeing as Tubular uses Cascade, Centennial, and Chinook. And it's often associated with IPAs, Double IPAs, India Black Ales, and India Red Ales. And that's what I got! Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. You ready to crack this baby open? Okie dokie. Here we go. Wop, 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 wop. Mm. Hope that crack came out good on the microphone because it sounded good to me. It did sound good, yeah. And I can already get those piney kind of resiny notes as soon as we cracked it. Bloop, 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 bloop. Full disclosure, I tried this in the tap room last week. I was going to bring up, can we, can we, can we talk about how we lied? So 
when we tried it, I was trying a different beer. I was believe I was trying. I think you had a slow was, pour. The first one was the long pour. I think so. Is a slow pour or a long pour? Oh, long pour. I think you're right. Yeah. And that's a Hell's Lager. Mm-hmm. So that and the, the slow pour really brings out a lot of the flavor. Yeah. In a different kind of way. And then when I took a sip of your tubular, it tasted like medicine. And you said, <laughs> no, it does not taste like medicine. <laughs> so we'll see what this actually tastes like. But again, I'm sick, so it might not taste like anything. Oh, Cheers. I hope it does. Cheers. I can kind of smell it off the top a little bit. Mm-hmm. I get yeast. See, to me, this is probably one of the best West Coast IPA styles done by an East Coast brewery that I've had. Um, and it's ab- absolutely worlds away from the West Coast IPA that they did a few years ago. Yeah, the first West Coast IPA we had from Two Roads was a collaboration with, I believe, a West Coast brewery. Yeah, it was in California. California, I want to say, and, and it was suppo- supposed to be supporting like the wildfires or something out I there. I don't remember. All I remember was that it was not great, not <laughs> good at all. And that's that's saying something. I love Two Roads. Like you said, that's where we love craft beer. We talk about every episode. We're there all the time. I'm a member of both of Two Roads membership clubs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but that beer was bad. Um, I have a feeling it had opinion. to do more with the other end of the collaboration than Two Roads. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to say that. Um, I don't even remember what brewery exactly. it was, to be completely I don't wanna, honest. I don't know. I should talk a brewery and be making bad beers. That was just not a good beer yeah. in general, that single beer. But then we started to have West Coast IPAs in the show and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And we had them and they're they're very piney and interesting and stuff like that. Yeah. And that beer wasn't. And what's interesting is this beer is also not super piney. It's not super piney, at least. Well, for me, it's more piney on the nose than it is on the back end. It's got a little now that my foam is settled. Yeah, it's 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 got some pine. It's not quite as yeasty. Yeah. Um, but it really gets a lot of those. It's a little bit more stone fruity mm-hmm. than most West Coasts are. Yeah. And I think I like the West Coast for its pininess. Oh. So I think I still prefer other West Coasts we've had where it's it's super piney. It's super. Okay, I, I mean, all IPAs are bitter. It's, it's tough yeah. to describe that pine bite. It's like a biting bitter. And I think I it's like that. Earthy. And yes. Yeah. It's an earthy kind of thing, which can make sense because when I drink wine, mm-hmm. I prefer a dry, extremely earthy, dry, earthy, smoky, smoky wine. Like to dark like fruit. A, yeah, yeah. To a fruity, lighter wine. Mm-hmm. Usually. I mean, there's there's a time and place for like a rosé and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. As long as it's not like crazy sweet. But yeah. yeah. So I think I like that. It's like pine. It's like eating those pine needles. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> Uh, so like this tastes okay. It's it's good, but it really doesn't scream West Coast IPA to me. That's fair. I I think this is it very is distinct beer. from their New England style IPAs. I think it's got so many hops in it. It's hard not to be fair. <laughs> I also think they use some different hops than they normally do, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. What's also interesting is area. One or main main area, yeah, main two roads, <laughs> two roads proper, two breweries on their campus, uh, does not actually put out a ton of newer beers anymore. Yeah, which is why I was really excited to feature this, um, because the the last one that we did from two roads technically was Second Life, but that's, that's what I was thinking two. when you were announcing all the different beers. I was like, oh, we've done more, and I go, oh wait, no, those are area two beers. Yeah, technically, we've done a, a shit ton of two roads beers on yeah. the show, but. They've been area two, which two roads very much likes to keep separate, keep separate 
even though they're the same. They have the same brewmaster. Different employees, though. The people that work at Area 2 do not work at the main. Yeah, not are, usually. Um, for the most There's part. There's not a lot of. But a lot of people in Area 2 used to work in Area 1. Or two roads proper, rather. There's some carryover, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's interesting that this is their first one they've come out with in a while. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it has to do more with them creating the new club for main two roads, the main campus. Oh, that's um, true. The Road Less Travel Club. Yeah. And now maybe they're like, well, people were interested in joining our club, but more for main two roads. So Mm -hmm. maybe we start putting out more standard beers like IPA and, and lagers and stuff like that. And maybe the club has inspired more work to be done there. Mm-hmm. I also know that the main campus, obviously, like you said, 15 states is definitely ballooned up because I'm pretty sure I had read it was like 35. Like, yeah. I think, yeah, it's I think a lot that was more. an old stat that I copied from, <laughs> from before. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the brewery is not, it's a large brewery for around here, mm-hmm. but I believe that they, you know, probably have to put most of their work into making all those beers go out to these other states. Yeah. And not Unless only that, I they also brew else. for other breweries. Do they still? I think they still, I think they still brew at least for Lawson's. They were doing Sip of Sunshine for Lawson's while Lawson's was building their brewery mm-hmm. and a couple other ones we had noticed as yeah. well. But yeah, I, I would have to imagine that most of that brewery production goes into, here's our mainstays. We got to get these out into these other states. Yeah. I had also read, you had said they were top 50, but I had read somewhere they're top five for something as well. Oh, um, I don't know if that's distributor craft beer, but I like I think their rank has gone up as well. I would not be surprised. So two roads is, They're is quite expanding large. like crazy. So the good thing is, if you're listening to this and you're from outside of Connecticut and you're there's always sick of us, very good when chance. we cover Connecticut beers, you can't <laughs> find them. This is one brewery where there's a very good chance you can find this elsewhere. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I know they keep trying to expand. They do different events. They have a two roads like a VW van that they drive around yep. different states and stuff and do whole whole things. You know, their their marketing department's pretty good in terms of all that. And they have a distinct style, which is really cool. Like I'm so I'm proud of them. Like I, I'm like a proud parent. Because <laughs> we've been going <laughs> there since since they since opened 2012. Um, we didn't go until we have had their beer since they first started releasing it around local restaurants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we went to their first Oktoberfest. Yep. And now we've been going ever since. What's very strange is we've been going to Two Roads for now almost 10 almost years. Almost 10 years. And we have not once taken, taken a tour. A tour. <laughs> not once have we gone on a I tour. I mean, we've been down there like to get all of your To get the stuff specialty for your, bottles yeah. for the Sikorsky bottles they put out. Yeah. But you, I, we've never actually taken a tour. We keep, we'll, go, we'll go on a tour. We'll go on a tour. We never yep. do. <laughs> What's also interesting is we've now been on three Thimble Island tours. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's, I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it feels like home already. Like, why would I take a tour of it? I don't know. I, yeah. This is so good. It's very refreshing. I don't know it's, if it's my favorite. And I do think there's a little bit of that medicine note in there as it well. It still sticks out to you? Only a little bit. It definitely, I could still drink these and I would still order this from the, the brewery. Yeah. I like this a lot. Yeah. It is just there a little bit. And okay. I think what I had when I had the slow pour um, or enhanced the long pour, the hell that slugger, note? enhanced it. Okay. Um, so it is there. There is something there that. That you pick, but you're also very up. sensitive to medicine-y tastes. And that's because when I was a kid. Whenever my mom would try to give me medicine, uh, fun fact, back in the day, you couldn't get your medicines in different flavors and stuff like kids do today. <laughs> uh, it was gross flavor and that's it was all gross. you could get. Yeah. Uh, and I got 
we talk about how I don't get sick very often now. Mm-hmm. I used to get sick a lot when I was a kid. And I hated having to take the medicine. My mom Aww. would have to force me to take it because <laughs> the taste was disgusting. I never liked fake cherry. And I'm not even a big fan of regular cherry. Nope. So it made it even worse for me. Mm-hmm. And so now when I drink anything that's got that taste, it's it's terrible for me. It's the same when I drink uh, orange soda. Yep. Uh, because we had to make it in science class <laughs> once and we use baking soda for the carbonation. So now when anything remotely with carbonation has a baking soda you taste, um, I can't drink it. Yeah. And it has ruined most. Well, there's only like two brands of orange soda I can taste now. Yep. And I love and orange Pepsi soda. And get, Pepsi better get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I hate Pepsi now. I used to not care. I still preferred Coke, but I was okay with Pepsi. And now it's, I can identify Pepsi. Yep. When it comes within two feet of me. <laughs> when we go to restaurants that don't carry Coke, it's a, uh, it's bad. <laughs> it's a Mountain Dew situation. Yep. <laughs> and when they say they don't have Mountain Dew, I don't know what to do. I have a Pepsi begrudgingly, I think. Yeah. When I'm forced to. Do you have iced tea? It's only unsweetened. Fuck. <laughs> But yeah, I could definitely drink this. It's definitely better than when I had that sip at the brewery. Yeah. But it definitely is missing that pininess that I really love. Yeah, I will say it does have, it has a very interesting, um, it has more noticeable floral and fruity notes than other West Coast IPAs. But I, I feel like it's fairly balanced with the the pine kind of resiny. The resin, the resin is in there. The yeah. resin is what I think I like most about this. Okay. Uh, there's definitely this resin undertone. You get that kind of weird medicinal thing first, I think, if you really focus on it. Yeah. For for those of you who don't have an, an extra sensitivity to med- medicine-y tastes, this is great. <laughs> um, but what comes through next is this wave of of resin. It's almost like like a bullet going through the air and like in like slow motion and you see it like penetrating the air and you see mm-hmm. like you know, things go around it. And that's how I feel like the taste is on this. It's like you get that outer shell of the pine, but it's, it's super quick. It doesn't mm-hmm. last like most West coast. And then there's the next shell, which is, is that kind of medicine thing. And that kind of goes away. And what I get next is a lot, a lot of resin. Yes. Um, which is nice because I do like that resiny flavor. That's and what kind of lingers. There's not a lot of beers that where that lingers. It's kind of mm-hmm. like it's fleeting. Mm-hmm. But in this, the resin is right there. And I think that helps to make this beer very refreshing. Yes, I agree. Because Especially I will considering say, it's 8%. Yeah, th- I forgot it was 8%. You cannot <laughs> taste that it's 8%. Not at, at all. all. Um, which is great because we were talking about, you know, summertime beers. The last like two episodes, I think we've mm-hmm. talked about the beers weren't exactly summertime beers. Yeah. This is great for the summertime because yeah. it's so that resininess, and I think the it's not stone fruity. No, and it's I think not, that that yeah. helps it really stay refreshing. Like I feel like we had to turn the fans off and stuff. Obviously, when we do these episodes, you guys don't hear yeah in the background. But it, we are still in a heat wave, technically. Yeah, it's. I mean, we're a hot box. We're on the second level of our apartment. So. Yep. Um, this beer keeps me cool. It's very refreshing. It's very nice, even mm-hmm. for 8.2, yeah. even for all the flavors it has. And I feel like complex beers like this aren't usually as refreshing. summery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think this is in a way because of that resiny natural notes. Mm-hmm. But I also think that you lose some of that citrus. Yeah. I'm not getting a lot of the the lemon lime kind of notes that I was talking about with all the hops. But I think that's also cool mm-hmm. because 
you often get those with those hops. Exactly. You so don't this always allows have you to, to have take them. the re- other flavors that are also listed. Yeah. In them. I'm, I'm like, my mind is like searching for the, the, like the apple and the green pepper that I mentioned. I think the green pepper is part of that earthiness. Herbal, earthy. Yeah. Um, and I love me some green pepper. <laughs> but the more I drink this, the more I like it. Like I said, the medicinus only lasts like a, a brief second. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm just saying it's there because I taste it with the hell's lager. And I'm, I just want yeah. to point out it's there. Um, but it's not like any kind of lingering taste or flavor. Uh, I would like it to have just a tiny bit more pine. That's fair. But that's just me. I would imagine that Two Roads Market is predominantly East Coast, even though they're selling quite a bit on the West Coast and mm-hmm. the um, and Midwest, Midwest too. now. But I think they would prefer this over most West Coast IPAs. Although West Coast IPAs, I feel like are taking off around mm-hmm. here now. In the last year or so. But I, I do really like this. In fact, it's not 8.2%. It is 8.2%, but it doesn't taste like it. It doesn't 8.2%. taste like it, and I'm, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I like that I can taste this, even though I'm kind of stuffed up. Yeah. But it also seems to have unstuffed one of my nostrils. And Ooh, I don't know if that's just a coincidence. Bonus. Right? Yeah, this is... My favorite part about this beer is how refreshing it is. Yeah. And what's interesting is how high proof it is. And... Or proof how high uh, alcohol by volume it is, Mm -hmm. whatever I'm saying. Because they're out of their core beers, their highest ABV would be Road to Ruin, which is, I think, 8.0. And you can you can taste that it's eight. Oh, Road to Ruin is strong as shit. (laughs) Not that Road to Ruin is delicious. Not in a bad way. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's delicious. But you you know what you're drinking. (laughs) Yeah, I love Road to Ruin. Road to Ruin is one of the things that helped them become two roads. Yeah. You know, there are like three or four core beers that really made them who they are. Mm-hmm. And Rotorun is one of them. Because they really perfected those beers. Yeah. I believe we've talked about Rotorun a couple of times on the show before. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is awesome. A little bit more piney than... Uh, would be your would constructive be, would be criticism. Would be my constructive criticism. But then again, who the hell am I <laughs> to argue with the great Phil Markowski? Uh, <laughs> All hell, Phil Markowski. We'll get them on the show one day. One day. When we're big enough. You want to talk about the can? So something I just noticed about the can, which I think is funny. Yeah. It's an... It's an Area 2 can. It's an Area 2 can. (laughs) The Uh, canning shortage continues. So they're definitely printed a label. Uh, It's not a full wrap. It's just like a label uh, on an Area 2 can. And you could tell because the Area 2 cans have the Two Roads logo, but all have like a stained glass kind of design on it. Yeah. So the can is really cool because they are officially Two Roads cans, mm-hmm. which is dope. Because uh, we remember them as such a small brewery Aww. and now they have their own cans. <laughs> uh, and so it's like a stained glass design with Two Roads going on. But that is usually, and I don't know if maybe they've just decided to make that standard. I or feel if like there's it's a can dedicated shortage. to their to so area two. usually area two. Yeah. And then the wrap is around it. And the wrap is really cool because what I really like is it's got this postcard kind of thing. Yes. Which is like what we saw with what beer? The Mexican lager that Wicked I love. Wicked Bueno. Wicked Bueno has Which that Which I still can't find. Love Wicked Bueno. God, I want it so bad. <laughs> Can we go to Massachusetts? <laughs> Just get Wicked Bueno and yes. leave? Sure. So it's like this postcard, kind of like faded postcard. And it's all like a hand-drawn Two Roads logo. It's like the Two Roads hands. Uh, if you ever look up the Two Roads logo, it's two hands pointing in different directions because mm-hmm. it's taken off of the... The Robert Frost Robert poem. Robert Frost poem. Two the Roads Diverged in a wood. I took the one less taken. Which is also like like you were mentioning before, you're now the uh, member of their second club, which is the World Less, Less Travel Club. Yep. 
And my for the first club is called Cellar Dwellers, which is interesting <laughs> because the cellar was actually a big thing in Air, the main campus, the main not campus Area first. 2. Yeah. Is to get there, go to their cellar where they have a bunch of the vault. Yeah. Has all these different beers from years ago, kept safe <laughs> and, and pure. Um, but it's hand drawn and it's colored and the reds are colored and it almost faded brick red. Mm-hmm. Like the sun kind of faded it down and a hand drawn sun. I love the color palette of this so much. It's so There's me. like a teal <laughs> and it's like hand drawn stained glass, like it's okay hands and the rock on hands yeah. and the stained glass. It's almost like if someone tried to saw this can and tried to like, like me as a kid who saw like a comic book panel and tried to redraw it myself mm-hmm. and it was perfect before and I draw it and it's slightly less perfect but it's almost better because now it's like you put the effort to make it yourself yeah yeah the color palette to me sorry i was no, trying, no, i was interrupting don't. before the it screams arizona oh yeah it's definitely west coast it's definitely yeah. arizona it's definitely sun bleached sun soaked area it's like a deep teal and then like the adobe red and the um, you that know, the, marigold yellow. It, yeah, the sun's that so marigold good. yellow. The welcome to California signs marigold yellow, but a lot of teal. It's got the two roads uh, van, which is the two roads bus, by the way, which is awesome. If you ever go yep. to two roads, uh, if you come in from the city, if you're from New York City and you're listening to this podcast or you want to go into two roads, let's say you're doing a beer tour or something in New York City or you're there for a while and you want to do something, mm-hmm. you can take the train from New York City, go into Stratford. Mm-hmm. Well, wherever you are, go into the Stratford train station and a two roads will be bus met by. <laughs> will pick you up for free and bring you to the brewery. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. And the two roads bus is this older. Uh, I don't know if the bus is a VW. I think it's a van. shuttle bus. I think it's it's like, no, it's it's an older bus. Oh, maybe it's a shuttle bus, but like an old 1960s yeah. shuttle bus. Yeah. Uh, they have a VW van, but that's smaller. But this is definitely that's a, that's, a shuttle bus from the 50s campus. or 60s. Yeah. And it's white and teal and it picks you up and brings you back and forth, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Uh, we live like 20 yeah, minutes we, away. Yeah, we have so no reason to use the shuttle. Use but it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty cool that that exists. And it's got like a little bit of like the water behind it. And it's definitely on one of those kind of cliffside paths driving up to California. It's really, really cool. It's really summery. There's a lighthouse, which maybe represents kind of the East Coast part of Two Roads. Oh, maybe. When I think of lighthouses, I think of East Coast. East Coast. Yeah. But obviously there's lighthouses everywhere. On the West Coast. <laughs> whatever there's coasts. Every coast. Because of boats. <laughs> Is it weird that I so I usually associate lighthouses with the East Coast or like Ireland? No, yeah, I think that's about appropriate. <laughs> okay. The left side of the label has the government warning. It's got the independent craft brewery label. It's got a barcode. It's got the Here's to taking the road less traveled logo that Two Roads uses, which is really all weird fonts and like fingers and stuff. It's it's a really weird kind of like kooky, almost Alice Alice uh, Alice in Wonderland type font. Mm-hmm. And it says TwoRoadsBrewing.com on the bottom. It does say a natural, harmless sediment may appear, but I I really don't. We see have it. no sediment and I didn't in our glasses. See it in uh, the draft pour the that draft you got, that I had yeah, at the tap we got room. none of it in our can, and we poured out our entire can, and yeah. there's no sediment. There's no really right That's side a, of the can. I think that it's might the be the first twice. time that they put that on their cans that I recall. That I recall, yeah. So yeah, that is the Two Roads can. It's so retro and cool and mm. I love it. I'm going to take another sip. As well you should, sir. So some beers, mm. here's another thing I really like. 
Okay. Some beers is they mellow, although this is still quite cold, which is nice. Mm-hmm. It hasn't really warmed up, which I'm surprised. It's so warm in here. It's hot in here, but yeah. <laughs> um, change flavors. This has sometimes not. Sometimes for the worse, sometimes for the better, or sometimes it just changes. This is the same. That resiny note really comes first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Is the main note the entire time through, which is interesting. It is a sharp flavor, though, which I kind of like. Me too. It is, it is sharp. It's I not an all-encompassing, like, I don't want to say overly flavorful, mm-hmm. but you know, like where it's like your whole tongue and then you taste it. You can go <laughs> for like five minutes. I think I could eat food with this pretty easily. I wouldn't recommend. Uh, it's not definitely, it's definitely not a food beer. No, I feel like it would be. Because you'd waste, some you'd of waste it would, the beer. Exactly. Yeah. But I feel like if you were at a restaurant and you ordered this or you just had one and the food came out earlier or your dinner was ready earlier than you wanted. It's not going to affect the taste of your food. No. And you can still drink the beer. Yeah. It's just you might not taste as much of it because it's a little bit more delicate with the resiny, earthy notes. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, one thing I wanted to bring up. I know I've talked we've talked about it a couple times in this episode already, and I know you kind of wanted to bring it up on the show. OK. Was uh, we've talked about the slow pour. A couple times. Oh. So Two Roads introduced this for their Hell's Lager, which was one of their standard beers. Um, it's called, oh, what's that one called? Old Factory Pills. Old Factory Pills. Yeah. So Old Factory Pills uh, is one of their standards that came out mm-hmm. with like Road to Ruin. Um, it is it is one of like the first. Yeah. Three they're the literally their, their core ones are, I think, Old Factory Pills, Road to Ruin, Honey Spot IPA. Honey Spot IPA, yep. And Workers Comp. So these four beers were like what started everything. Yeah. And they've just started to do a slow pour on their olfactory pills. Mm -hmm. And basically it's a very tall glass, a really cool, super tall glass, Mm -hmm. skinny glass. And they pour it. And it can take up to five minutes for you to get your beer. Didn't he say seven? Maybe up to seven. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely got mine sooner. Yeah. Um, But I think they were kind of more in a hurry. But basically- it really is a interesting, complicated taste. So Pilsners obviously are super popular. It's what most people drink. It's yeah. what your dad drinks. It's exactly. what your granddad it's drinks. generally appealing. It's what you want to have when you're on a hot day or when you're eating. But, you know, most people like us go for IPAs and stuff because mm-hmm. Pilsners are just technically uncomplicated and not super interesting. Yeah, Good, it's the but, soda of beers. Yeah. Um, but... When slow poured, just like pouring Guinness just right, <laughs> Pilsners, and I could I can tell you this, having had it, are so much better when they're slow poured. So it they say it softens the beer's carbonation, but really what it does is slows the carbonation. Because yeah. even you pointed out, like, the bubbles are moving real slow. Yeah. And I thought it that, was, you, so that was like- the most you're high but not high kind of statement <laughs> that you've you've ever like those bubbles look slow man and i thought you were you were just okay but maybe it's just because it's the long the tubular was hitting already yeah, or no it's just it's because it's a really it's, long glass it was just slow the bubbles. bubbles were slow and it's because the car it softens softens the beer's carbonation and it does open up more of its most delicate flavors mm-hmm. so when you slow pour, basically it's a longer tap. It's almost like a stout tap. Yeah. And you start to pour and it pours up and you get a nice big foam head. You wait till that settles again. You pour a little bit more. Then you wait till it settles again. You pour a little bit more. You're waiting for this beer a little bit longer. Yeah. But what happens is instead of just a nice crisp Pilsner, mm-hmm. 
a nice simple crisp pilsner, what you get is more akin to like an IPA almost. Uh, it's more expressive. The flavors last a little longer. Mm-hmm. They're more pronounced, but also stretched out. So in some ways it's more subtle, but in some ways it's sharper. It's it's more interesting. Uh, and it's something I thought was really, really cool. It, it is a little less carbonated, I think, mm-hmm. than like being like, ah, it's super bubbly because it's a pilsner because you've stretched it out so much. The bubbles are going slow. You soften the carbonation. Yeah. But I think that makes the beer's flavors last longer and really points out all the little things that are in this beer because I've had obviously olfactory pills a ton. A bajillion times, yeah. And- it has never tasted it was almost like it was an all new beer when I had it at mm-hmm. the brewery. So I thought that was really interesting. And I guess slow pours are a staple of Germany. Like they Germans have been really? doing that for a long, long time. But uh, it's kind of like coming over now into the United States. So one of the things that the long pour does is it actually warms the beer, which is something I didn't super notice. But uh, at the same time, I kind of noticed. So yeah. By doing it over time and you've stretched out, it warms the beer. So it's not quite ice cold. It's just a little bit less than room temperature. But as we've found um, over over time that the temperature absolutely affects the taste of the beer. Like I I love when there's a can that says, please serve at this degree, like for maximum, I guess, for maximum enjoyment of the flavors that it that it offers oh yeah like we made this to be drank at blah 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 yeah at least you've been you've told us so we know yeah um like every beer style has a um an optimal temperature to be served at the other thing is that by slowing down the process and the foam sitting because i talked about how the foam is there and it's larger foam head Mm -hmm. apparently by sitting a couple minutes between each of the top of top offs it uh, dries a little bit, the foam, and becomes a little bit more structured and stable. Huh. So you get a little bit more of that foam, which obviously adds a little bit different flavor. Mm-hmm. I talked on this episode, like the foam made it smell just like yeast, and then mm-hmm. I smelled more. Uh, once it settled, I could smell the pine. In a, f- a few episodes ago, there was that beer where the foam was disgusting, mm-hmm. but the beer was fantastic. Yeah. Um. Yep. So the foam obviously adds a little bit to it as well. Oh, and by for sure. keeping it harder, I think, and structured, it almost becomes like this dusting on top of your beer. So the flavor from that foam stays uh, around a little bit longer. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the slow pours, if you I like that. That's if you a can very find a beer around that has it, like definitely give it a try. Mm-hmm. Or if you have like a local spot that's not gonna look at you stupid when you ask <laughs> to get a slow pour and just be like, no, nah, here's how you do it. Yeah. Uh I, I guess you don't necessarily need the long tap handle. Oh, uh, okay. But if I was going to say that pour, that sounds like a specialty kind of thing. That helps that you want to hit the center of the glass with your spit, the uh, spout. So I think they use that because they just, they're so busy at the tap room there that they put it down and the long tap kind of hits the center of the glass a lot easier. Yeah. But I think if they're really like focused and your bar's not that busy and you have a bartender that likes you that you go all the time. Mm-hmm. He'd probably be more willing to stay there and try to slow pour it himself for you. Yeah. But I do think that's a really interesting way to experience the beer and definitely change the way I think of old factory pills, which we've had a bajillion times. Yeah. And that's so cool to have yeah. a beer completely transformed. So if you're at a brewery or a bar and they allow you to get a slow pour. Do it. Try it out. It's pretty cool. But maybe do both versions to be able to tell the difference. Or get a beer you've had before as yeah, a regular yeah, pilsner. Yeah. yeah, definitely get something where you know how things have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've had this is a really cool comparison. Before. Yeah. 
Well, I'm done with mine. <laughs> I'm almost done with mine. I've been talking. Oh, it's so good. You got anything else? <sighs> A little ASMR for you. Yeah, I don't know if that picked up my gulp. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, no, I think as you drink this beer, it's very complex. It's very interesting. It's it's something to be appreciated. A West Coast style IPA, but I I think by adding the word style, it's definitely not a West Coast IPA because it's definitely their own kind of thing. Yeah, it's definitely um, their own take on it. So if you're expecting some kind of piney goodness, this, this maybe might not isn't be your for thing. you. But if you're looking for but it's something, definitely little, worth trying. Yeah, off this is definitely something off the road, less traveled. Ooh, uh, because it's not quite a regular Northeast IPA as well. Yeah. You know, you're getting more of that resin. You're getting more of those earthy notes. You're getting less stone fruit, less citrus. You're getting mm-hmm. really new flavors that you don't usually get in your IPA. It's very well balanced. And it's 8.2%. Doesn't taste like it. Nope. And it's still really refreshing for the summertime. So this is kind of your Agreed. summertime strong beer, I guess. Yeah. Cheers to that. so thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode and if you enjoyed it please rate it review it and share it with your friends and then subscribe to catch our future episodes you can find us on crackandwhenopen.com or apple podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at crackandwhenopen or shoot us an email at crackandwhenopen at gmail.com with any comments questions or suggestions because we want to hear from you. Yeah. What else you got? Oh, well, you know, I've got two other podcasts I do. I've got Forgotten Cinema, a podcast with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the audience simply didn't catch on to it during its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it. You never know. You might find your own forgotten gem. I've also got Two Player Bros, a podcast with my buddy Dave, sometimes my brother Alex, sometimes just me. <laughs> where uh, we play all things PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, PC, VR. We have it all. We play it all. We'll talk about news, reviews, and previews of different games as they come out, as they're revealed, and uh, all that kind of good stuff. So check that out. Two Player Rose and Forgotten Cinema and Crack One Open are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yep, definitely give those a look mm-hmm. wherever podcasts can be found or in ForgottenEntertainment.com. And I've also got audiobooks. Go to Audible uh, and look up Michael Butler. I've got Switch Art Fraud and Gangsters, which is like a different Guy Ritchie uh, art theft book where I do a whole bunch of different British accents, which is pretty fun. I've also got a bunch of horror books, Sour, which is like an Appalachian Southern Evil Dead fairy tale type book. I've got Coffee at Midnight and Progressive Entrapment, which are short story horror anthologies uh, where each story is more and more messed up. So if you got a strong stomach, check those out. I've also got The Final Girl, which is like an 80s slasher book. Uh, so if you like 80s slasher movies, check that book out. Uh, and, and I've just got a ton. Check them out. Michael Butler on Audible. Uh, I don't get paid for these books unless you guys listen to them. So check them out. Get me out of my day job. Please, God, get me out of my day job. (laughs) And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Nice.